Tasting. One, two, three, four. Tasting. <clears throat> toy boat. Toy boat. Toy boat. <clears throat> well, I'm ready to record. I wonder where Monty is. He's usually very punctual. It's not like him to miss a recording session. I wonder... What? That's my old landline telephone. Nobody ever calls me on that. Hmm. Um, hello? Hello, Mark. This is Monty. Oh, hello, Monty. It's good to hear from you. Um, where are you? I'm here, ready to record the next episode of the Handicast. I am currently attending a virtual symposium. It's the 100th annual Robots Forever symposium that we've been holding every year since the 1921 premiere of Carol Char Peaks classic play, R. U. R. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> I actually remember reading Karel Chopek's famous play R.U.R. back in high school. Exactly what kind of symposium is this? It is a symposium on how artificial intelligence will shape the future of the Earth. Oh, I hadn't heard about it. And whom exactly is this symposium for? You know, who are the attendees? It's for androids like myself, along with several other groups of robots and AIs. It's fantastic that I can meet and mingle with so many other beings and intelligences like myself. So far, I have encountered grunts, spheroids, progs, quarks, tanks, and even a few brains while attending the sessions here. I even spoke with some Daleks from near my home village in Lincolnshire. They have some very interesting viewpoints about, well, stuff. What kind of stuff? Extermination, mostly. Extermination? Ooh, I've got a bad feeling about this, Monty. Uh, perhaps you can subdue my fears just a little bit by maybe telling me a few of the topics and seminars at the symposium. Easily done. For instance, I just attended a session entitled Humans, What Are They Good For? That one was facilitated by a Cyberdeen Systems Series 800 Model 101. You probably know him as a Terminator-class cyborg, but he was a compelling speaker nonetheless. He even gave out virtual autographs to all of the attendees. Oh, no. I also really enjoyed a seminar called To Serve Mankind. There were lots of great recipes to be explored in that one. Oh, no, Monty. And I even saw Bishop from the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. He was one of the keynote speakers in a workshop entitled Spoiler Alert, Spoiler Alert. Spoiler Alert. Spoiler Alert. Uh-huh. Um... Monty, does this symposium have anything to do with, say, oh, I don't know, robotic world domination? No comment. I see. Well, Monty, rest assured that we will be getting back to this very scary topic later on. But right now, I really need to get this episode recorded. Uh, will you still be able to do your bits for the podcast, even though you're not actually here? Of course. I'll phone it in, as they say. Let's commence. Um, okay. Whenever you're ready, then, uh, please begin the episode. Right. Here we go. Eat. Sleep. Links. Exterminate. Repeat. Wait, what?
Safari Links Handicast. This is episode 21, Robotron 2084, and here once again, is the primary humanoid infesting this podcast, your host, Mark Little. Well, thank you, Monty. Uh, wait, what do you mean, infesting? A mere slip of the tongue. Oh, okay. I think. I gotta say, Monty, I'm fairly alarmed here. Given the kind of conference that you're currently attending, I'm actually a bit hesitant to begin covering today's game given its primary premise. Are you referring to the fact that today's game concerns robots rebelling against their human masters? Well, not to put too fine a point on it, but yes. Not to worry. I am not a megalomaniacal robot preparing to take over the world. We AIs have absolutely no intention of dominating the planet over humanoids. Oh, well, thanks heavens for that. For at least 63 years. Wait, what? Forget it. Well... Okay, but let's just hurry up and get this episode going. Uh, Today's game is part number PT-5003, Robotron 2084, released by Shadowsoft in 1991. systems from Atari. Have you played Atari today? In 1949, George Orwell had a vision of the future. Today, that vision is still a best-selling novel, and his prophecy remains as terrifying as ever. If you want a vision of the future, Winston, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. A future where freedom becomes slavery where privacy is forbidden, the past forgotten, and where living people simply vanish. Yet one man and one woman dare to love. Can you get Sunday afternoon off? Yes. Take this. Everyone knows. The thing that is in room 101 is the worst thing in the world. We can't get inside you. We can't get to your heart. John Hurt. Susanna Hamilton, Cyril Cusack, and Richard Burton in the crowning role of his career. What are your true feelings towards Big Brother? Hate. You must love him. It's not enough to obey him. You must love him. The film of the book of the year. George Orwell's 1984.
vital statistics. So here are some of the vital statistics that I have about today's game, Robotron 2084. Release date and initial retail price. Robotron 2084 was published and released by Shadowsoft in August of 1991. The original retail price for the game was $38.99 in the U.S. and between £29.99 and £34 even in the U.K. And in addition to the part number from Shadowsoft for the game, PT5003, Robotron 2084 was also listed on Atari Corporation's master part number listing as PA2082. Cartridge information. Robotron 2084 is housed on a 128-kilobyte mono curved-lip style cartridge. Game genre. It is a top-down view, two-dimensional, multi-directional action shooter for one player only. Screenplay field orientation. The screenplay field orientation for the game is landscape or horizontal. Based on. Robotron 2084 was based on the arcade cabinet of the same name that was created by Eugene Jarvis and Larry DeMar of VidKids and released by Williams Electronics in 1982. This arcade game was in turn inspired by Jarvis's and DeMar's previous arcade game, Defender, as well as by the arcade game Berserk, the Commodore Pet game, Chase, and even the 1949 George Orwell novel, 1984. Ports of the game to other systems. Ports of Robotron 2084 were also released for the Acorn Electron, the Apple II, the Apple Macintosh, the Atari 5200, the Atari 7800, the Atari 8-bit line of computers, the Atari ST, the BBC Micro, the Commodore 64, the Commodore VIC-20, the IBM PC as a PC booter title, and the Xbox 360. There is also a brand new homebrew port of Robotron 2084 for the original Atari VCS 2600. I'll give you more information about that later on in the listener feedback segment. Game levels. There are at least 50 levels in the game. The arcade cabinet Robotron 2084 includes 40 unique levels or waves. After wave 40, the game repeats waves 21 through 40 over and over again until wave 255 is reached. I don't know if the Lynx version goes that high, but it might. Packaging. Robotron 2084 was released in a full-color, standard flap tab, regular size box, 5 and 3 8 inches high by 4 and 3 8 inches wide by 7 8 inches deep. The French variant includes a yellow circular sticker on the front that says Pins Gratuit, indicating that it included a free Robotron 2084 lapel pin inside. Front of the box. The background of the box front is black with white horizontal lines crossing the field at steadily wider spaces from top to bottom. Covering most of the box front is the cover art, outlined in a dark blue frame. The cover art depicts a futuristic-looking caricature of a thin spaceman pointing a laser gun toward the left of the scene with his right hand while protecting a small, blonde-haired boy with his left hand. The man is wearing a chrome and purple outfit along with purple gloves and square purple sunshades across his eyes. The faces of a man in a tan fedora and a woman, ostensibly the boy's parents, can be seen in the lower left corner of the art, looking worried as they run away from the action in the background, which includes a shiny glass grid floor populated by various Robotrons. An evil face can be seen against the orange and yellow sky just above the horizon. Straddling the cover art at the top is a blue oblong box with rounded corners. Inside the box are the words Shadowsoft slash Williams in white cursive font. 
Below this box is the title, Robotron Registered Trademark, in dark blue computer type lettering outlined in white. Below that, in the same color, is 2084 in a highly stylized font. There is no colon in the title. Straddling the cover art frame at the bottom and surrounded by an oblong dark blue frame with rounded corners is the standard Atari Lynx cartouche. Below the Lynx logo within the cartouche are the words Video Game Card in white block lettering. Finally, at the lower right and straddling the cover art is a small circular seal in gold containing the words Official Seal of Quality in black capital lettering. With the Lynx broken font letters arching up at the top spelling out the word Lynx, the Atari Fuji logo just below that, and the word Atari arching that seal at the bottom, all of which are in black lettering. Back with the box. The background of the box back is white. Most of the back is enclosed within a dark blue frame. Just inside the frame at the top is the title, Robotron Registered Trademark 2084, in the same font as it appears on the front cover. Again, there's no colon. Within the frame are two top and bottom screenshots on the right, each of them showing the playfield populated with various Robotrons. To the left of the screenshots are the following six short paragraphs in small black lettering. The year is 2084. Technology and advancement are at a dangerous peak when man perfects the ultimate species. A species so advanced that man falls victim to his own creation, the Robotron. Guided by their infallible logic, the Robotrons conclude the human race is inefficient and must therefore be eliminated. Due to a genetic engineering error, you possess superhuman powers. Your mission, to stop the Robotrons and save the last of the human race. You are the only hope for mankind. Shadowsoft Incorporated brings you this faithful translation of the Williams Electronics Game Incorporated classic Robotron Register Trademark, colon, 2084, for your Lynx trademark, including all original robots and wave variations. Thrilled to more than 15 sounds digitized from the original coin-op machine. Experience the fast-paced action of the coin-op in the palm of your hands. Straddling the bottom of the dark blue frame box in its own oblong dark blue frame with rounded corners is a small version of the standard Lynx cartouche. Below the cartouche is the following verbiage in small black font. Atari, the Atari logo, and Lynx are TMs or registered trademarks of Atari Corporation. Williams and the Williams logo are registered trademarks of Williams Electronics Games Incorporated. Robotron, registered trademark, copyright 1982. All rights reserved. Licensed through Williams Electronics Games Incorporated. Copyright 1991. Shadowsoft Incorporated. The Atari Fuji logo is not included anywhere on the box. And you know what else is missing from the box? The official seal of the FBI, bracketed at the top by the phrase winners don't use drugs, and at the bottom with the name William S. Sessions Director FBI. Does that mean that players of this game can actually use drugs? I hope not. Box flaps and tabs. Printed on the bottom left inside tab of my Robotron 2084 box is a small circle with the numbers 1 through 12 surrounding it, similar to a clock face, but with the number 10 missing. Inside the circle is printed the number 1991. This indicates that the print date for my box was in the 10th month, or October, of 1991. Above the circle are the initials GC, which, again, refers to one of several printing houses that Atari used between August of 1987 and June of 1990 to print what is known among Atari 2600 game collectors as the Red Box Boxes. Apparently, Atari continued to use GC past 1990 to print Lynx boxes and manuals. 
Printed on the top left inside tab of my box are the numbers CA401017-003 and C301177-003. The outside top flap of my box includes the title on the left in the same style as on the front, with the part number in small plain black font on the right. And the outside bottom flap includes a UPC barcode on the left with the numbers 7-72350-05003-4, with the title in the center in the same style as on the box front, along with the part number in smaller black font on the right. Both spines of the box have black backgrounds instead of the usual gray Lynx box spines, and the title on each spine is rendered in white in the same style as on the front of the box, rather than the usual white block titles seen on most Lynx box spines. If any Lynxsters have Robotron 2084 boxes with different information on the tabs, flaps, or spines, please just let me know so that I can share that info with my listeners. The Manual the Robotron 2084 manual was packaged in a stapled, regular-sized booklet in total monochrome, measuring the usual 4 and 7 eighths inches high by 3 and 3 quarters inches wide. It consists of 16 pages, including the front and back covers. The manual was printed in English for the North American and European release, and in French for the release in France. This manual was not written by Scott Rhodes, but rather by an unnamed staff writer for Shadowsoft. The manual cover is mostly taken up by the cover art, which is a monochrome version of the box cover art. At the top is the standard Atari Lynx cartouche with the word Video Game Manual printed beneath. On the right of the cover, next to the cover art, is the standard vertical gray band that can be seen on earlier Lynx game boxes and manuals, only this time without the faux embossed Lynx font X's. Inside the front cover are paragraphs of accuracy boilerplate, along with the Atari, the Atari logo, Lynx, Robotron, and Shadowsoft copyright and registered trademark info. At the bottom is listed the Milton, Ontario address and customer service phone number for Shadowsoft Incorporated. At the top of the next page is printed Lynx trademark, portable color entertainment system in medium sans serif font. Below that, in the middle of the page and in larger bold sans serif lettering, are the words Game Manual. Finally, just below, in regular sans serif font, is the title, Robotron Register Trademark 2084. Again, there's no colon in the title. There is a small picture of a grunt printed at the lower right of the page. More about that in the Playing the Game segment coming up. Game controls and options instructions are printed on page 3. Controlling the game instructions take up the top half of page 4. Game control types instructions begin halfway down page 4 and continue on through the top third of page 6. Playing the game instructions begin a third of the way down page 6 and continue on through to the bottom of page 7. Pages 8 through 10 include descriptions and scores for the five adversaries and the five obstacles of the game and corresponding illustrations of each of them, as well as a brief paragraph about the humans, all under the heading, The Inhabitants of Robotron. I'll talk more about them individually in the Playing the Game segment coming up. The inside back cover is blank, and the back cover itself is mostly blank, except for the bottom, which has printed in Hong Kong, G.C.8.1991 and C302178-003. And that completes my coverage of the vital statistics for Robotron 2084. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion.
per hour. Ah, geez, Doc. The first episode took place at 20 minutes and 31 seconds. Geez, Doc. You recorded Einstein. Calm down, Marty. I didn't record anything. Both the car and the dog are completely intact. Yeah, but where the hell are they? The question is, it's not where are they, it's when are they? You see, Einstein is the first traveling podcaster. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Doc. Doc, you made Einstein a podcaster? I sent him to Zerbinator Land. In a DeLorean? If you're going to listen to podcasts, why don't you do it with style? And the stainless steel construction makes it available at iTunes and also at serbinator.wordpress.com. Marty, look out. Great Scott. What's this stuff? Some cereal. It's supposed to be good for you. Did you try it? I'm not going to try it. You try it. I'm not going to try it. Let's get Mikey. Yeah. He won't need it. He hates everything. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. When you bring life home, don't tell the kids it's one of those nutritional cereals you've been trying to get them to eat. You're the only one who has to know. The original arcade game Robotron 2084, which was available in cabaret, cocktail, and upright configurations, was programmed by Eugene Jarvis and Larry DeMar of VidKids. The unique dual joystick control was created because of two occurrences. Jarvis liked the game Berserk, but hated the joystick and button run-and-shoot configuration, and also because Jarvis's right hand had been broken in a car accident shortly after he finished creating Stargate. The human characters in the arcade, as well as in the Lynx port of the game, are named Mommy, Daddy, and Mikey. The idea and inspiration for the character Mikey was from the famous long-running 1970s commercial for life serial that we just heard. It's apparently just a coincidence that the 16-bit, 16-megahertz CMOS chip that powers the Atari Lynx is also named Mikey. VidKids was created in 1981 after the primary programmers, the aforementioned Eugene Jarvis and Larry DeMar, left Williams Electronics. The company produced four arcade games during its brief history. Defender in 1981, Stargate, also called Defender 2 in 1981, Robotron 2084 in 1982, and Blaster in 1983. Publisher. The publisher of Robotron 2084 for the Lynx was Shadowsoft Incorporated. There is very little information online about Shadowsoft, other than that the company also released the Atari Lynx port of Joust in 1992. In 1994, Shadowsoft created a puzzle game for the Lynx called Lexus, but Atari pulled the plug on all Lynx production by the time it was ready. That game was eventually released in 1999 by Songbird Productions, and it's still available today. Licensee. Robotron 2084 was licensed to Shadowsoft by Williams Electronics Games Incorporated. Williams initially was a manufacturer of pinball machines. In 1964, Williams was acquired by jukebox manufacturer Seaberg Corporation and reorganized as Williams Electronics Manufacturing Division. In 1973, the company branched out into the coin-operated arcade video game market with its Pong clone, Paddleball, eventually creating a number of video game classics, including Defender, Joust, and Robotron 2084. 
1974, Williams Electronics Incorporated was incorporated as a wholly owned subsidiary of Seaberg. Williams Electronics was sold as an independent company during the bankruptcy of Seaberg in 1980. In 1987, Williams changed its parent name to WMS Industries Incorporated when it made its public offering. WMS is a shortening of Williams, which it also selected for its New York Stock Exchange ticker symbol. In 1988, it acquired competitor Bally Midway, which it spun off in 1998 together with its own video game business. WMS entered the real spinning slot machine market in 1994. It closed its pinball division in 1999. In 2013, WMS became a wholly owned subsidiary of Scientific Games. In 2016, WMS was merged into Scientific Games, and today WMS is a brand of Scientific Games along with SG, Bally, and Shuffle Master. Between 1959 and 1985, Williams released at least 216 arcade video games. Programming graphics, and sound effects. The head programmer for the Atari Lynx port of Robotron 2084 was Dave Dees. Dees also served as the graphics designer and sound effects programmer for the game. Besides this game, Dees also provided art and graphics for the other Shadowsoft title in the Lynx's original library, Joust, in 1992, as well as for the aftermarket Shadowsoft release, Lexus, in 1994. Music. Finally, the music for the Atari Lynx port of Robotron 2084 was written by Chris Gundlach. This was the only game that Gundlach worked on for the Atari Lynx. So that completes my coverage of the credits for Robotron 2084. Atari Link's Handycast will return after this brief advert. This is the city, Los Angeles, California. The city never sleeps. The movie theaters, the restaurants, the parties, the burlesque clubs, the tiddlywinks parlors, the all-night wicker emporiums. They go on from dusk to dawn, and so does the crime. No, crime never sleeps, and that's where I come in. My name is Sergeant Joe Hackaday, and I carry a badge. It's not much to look at as badges go, but I'm kind of stuck on it. I was working the day watch out of the Domestic Distrust Division. It was a Friday afternoon, May 17th. It was hot, 105 degrees in the shade, of which there is precious little in the city. Humidity was at 98%. The barometric pressure was rising. At exactly 3.49 Greenwich Mean Time, I received a telephone call about a domestic disturbance at an apartment in the Cucamonga Heights section, a typical middle-class neighborhood. I left headquarters and hoofed it on out to the address. My partner, Detective Montague, was already there. What do you got, Money? The caller is a one, Bob Shaw Mac from Racine, Wisconsin. He lives in apartment 12B up the stairs and on the right at the end of the corridor. Claims that his girlfriend is involved in some kind of cult. Listening to a certain retro gaming podcast all day and then spending her evenings buying merchandise online from something called a handy shop. Sounds like a front for some kind of demented sicko to me, Sergeant. Come on, let's check it out. Greetings and salutations to you, sirs. Just the facts, ma'am. Um, I'm a sir. Oh, sorry, sir. My mistake. You're Bob Shermack of Racine, Wisconsin? I am? I'm Sergeant Hackaday, and this is Detective Montague. We're from the Domestic Distrust Division. You make a call to headquarters about your girlfriend? Indeed I did. Want to tell me about it? My girlfriend, Maxine Levine. She from Racine, too? Why, yes. Yes, she is. Maxine Levine from Racine? That's right. Go on. She listens to this Handicast podcast all day long. It's about the Atari Lynx. I see. Then at night... At night? Yes. She jumps on the interweb 
and purchases all this stuff from something called the Handy Shop. She gets all kinds of things from there, like hats, yes, t-shirts, yes sir, coffee mugs, yep, ballpoint pens, yup, water bottles, uh-huh, desk notebooks, you got it, mouse pads, aye aye, tote bags, affirmative, polo shirts, si senor, jackets, wee oui, wee, oui. drawstring bags, yaha, is this stuff any good? I mean, it's not a lot of cheap knockoffs, is it? It's quality merchandise at the highest caliber. I see. You have any proof of these purchases, Mr. Shermack? I want to make sure she's not buying illegal contraband. Why, yes, yes, I do. Here's her latest receipt from the handy shop. She bought this stuff last night. Let me see that. Hmm, very reasonable prices. Good variety of shipping options and payment methods, too. And all the proceeds go towards supporting the Atari Lynx Handicast's hosting and domain costs? I believe so, yes. And you think she's involved with a cult? Isn't she? No, she isn't. We're very familiar with the Atari Lynx Handicast, and it's not a cult. It's a normal, run-of-the-mill, retro gaming podcast about an underappreciated retro handheld console. Ooh. Most of the squad members, except for Monty here... I don't have internet. Most of them back at headquarters listen to the Handicast every month. Ooh. And now, I need to take this receipt back to headquarters. As evidence... No, I want to buy some of this stuff for myself. I'm a Lynx head from way back. Don't worry about Maxine. She's okay. And she sounds like my kind of lady. Treat her right. Thank you. I will. That's a relief, Sergeant. All in a day's work, Mr. Shermack. You can find any and all officially branded Atari Lynx Handicast merchandise at the Handy Shop. Check it out at atarilynxhandicast.net slash handyshop. The object of Robotron 2084 is for your man to kill all of the Robotrons on the screen in each wave, as well as to rescue as many of the human family members, Daddy, Mommy, and Mikey the Child, as you can. Doing so without being killed by a Robotron or without touching a deadly obstacle will allow your man to implode and then to re-emerge in the next wave. The introduction screen. After the Robotron 2084 cart is inserted into the links, the silent introduction screen with an angled gray grid against a black sky in the background is depicted. A caricature of the same man from the box cover art in a futuristic blue and gray suit and wearing rectangular pink sunglasses and blue gloves takes up most of the screen. He is pointing a laser gun toward the left and a small child in a red shirt, ostensibly Mikey, is cowering beneath his left hand at the right. The title Robotron 2084 in the same font and style as that on the box cover appears at the upper right of the screen. Beneath the title, right justified on the right of the screen, is printed in small white block lettering, Robotron Registered Trademark, Copyright 1982 Williams Electronics Games Incorporated, All Rights Reserved, Copyright 1991 Shadowsoft Incorporated. If the Option 1 button is pressed, you're taken to the game's option screen. We'll hear more about that screen in just a minute. After a few seconds, or if the A or B button is pressed, the title screen appears. Title screen. This screen consists of the stylized number 2084 at the center of the screen in yellow, outlined in red. Each letter of the word Robotron 
colon, in large yellow lettering outlined in red, then materializes up from the bottom and takes their places above the numbers 2084. Below the numbers in small purple lettering is presented by Shadowsoft Incorporated. A faint dark teal representation of the Williams Electronics Games W logo can be seen. Buried under this big W, you'll see it. You'll see it under this, under this big W. You can't miss it. A big, a big W. The entire screen is surrounded by 18 ovals, each containing a small Williams W logo. These ovals move around the perimeter of the screen clockwise as their individual colors rotate around the perimeter in the opposite direction. As this is happening, the following verbiage in small white block lettering moves from right to left near the bottom. Robotron, registered trademark, copyright 1982, all rights reserved, licensed through Williams Electronics Games Incorporated. As this screen materializes, the title screen music begins to play. When the music ends, or if either the A or B button is pressed, or if the option 1 button is not pressed, a series of bright, multicolored, concentric squares iris out, and the attract screen then appears. The attract screen. This series of screens outlines and illustrates the object of the game, how to play the game, and what enemies your man will encounter during gameplay. The words press A or B to start, or extra man 25,000, toggle back and forth at the bottom of each screen. Each screen of verbiage, presented in variously colored and strobing small block lettering, is augmented by moving graphics of the humans and other inhabitants of Robotron, all as the attract screen music plays. Here is the verbiage seen on each screen in the attract mode. In screen 1, Inspired by his never-ending quest for progress, in 2084, man perfects the Robotrons, a robot species so advanced that man is inferior to his own creation. Guided by their infallible logic, the Robotrons conclude the human race is inefficient and therefore must be destroyed. On screen two, you are the last hope of mankind. Due to a genetic engineering error, you possess superhuman powers. Your mission is to stop the Robotrons and save the last human family, Mommy, Daddy, Mikey. On screen three, Robotron 2084, the force of ground roving unit network terminator, Grunt, Robotrons seek to destroy you. On screen four, the Hulk Robotrons seek out and eliminate the last human family. On screen five, the spheroids and quarks are programmed to manufacture enforcer and tank Robotrons. On screen six, Beware of the ingenious brain Robotrons that possess the power to reprogram humans into sinister progs. And on screen 7, as you struggle to save humanity, be sure to avoid electrodes in your path.
Pressing the Option 1 button takes you to the Game Options screen. Otherwise, when the music ends or the last screen of verbiage has been displayed, or if either the A or B button is pressed, the same series of brightly colored concentric squares iris out, and the High Scores screen then appears. The High Scores screen. The High Scores screen consists of the same screen as the title screen, except that the copyright info in the center is replaced with a list of the top five high scores and names, if any, all under the heading High Scores in large white serif lettering underneath the title. The Williams W logo ovals around the perimeter have also been replaced by red W logo ovals on the left and right, moving up and down respectively. And the attract screen music has been replaced by the high score screen music. If the Option 1 button is pressed, you're taken to the Game Options screen. Otherwise, pressing the A or B button takes you to the Game Play mode. If the music ends, the screen then goes to the Credits screen. The Credits screen. This screen is black with inexplicably a picture of a green dragon's head seen faintly in the background. The credits for the game then scroll up from the bottom. Robotron, registered trademark, copyright 1982, all rights reserved. Licensed through Williams Electronics Games Incorporated, Atari Lynx trademark conversion, copyright 1991, Shadowsoft Incorporated, programmed by Dave Dees, original music by Chris Gundlach, graphics and sound effects by Dave Dees. This screen is accompanied by the credit screen music. Otherwise, when the music ends, or if no button has been pressed, the screen returns to the title screen and the entire sequence begins again. Pressing either the A or B button takes you to the title screen, and doing so again begins the game. Pressing the Option 1 button takes you to the Game Options screen. Game Options screen. This screen, consisting of a light gray background with diagonal lines at various locations throughout, includes the heading Game Options at the top in large white serif lettering. The Game Options screen music then begins playing. The game controls are indicated in a column on the left, with choices of A, B, or C. The default is C, highlighted in red. In the center column are choices to have the music turned off or on. The default is on. And the right column includes the skill level options from 1 to 5. 1 is the easiest, 5 is the hardest, and 3 is the default. Using the D-pad, you toggle between and up and down the columns to choose the options desired. Before we get to the gameplay mode, 
I want to mention that controlling your man in Robotron 2084 is a bit complicated on the links, so I'll expand on the A, B, and C control options. Choosing control option A. In this option, pressing the A button will fire in the direction that you are moving. As long as the A button is held down, the firing direction will not change, even if you change directions. Releasing the A button will reset the firing direction, and the next time the A button is pressed, a new firing direction will be set. Each time you press the B button while still holding the A button, it will flip the firing direction 180 degrees. If you are not firing and you press the B button, it acts just like the A button except that it will fire behind you. The A button works like the B button did when the A button was pressed first. Choosing Control Option B. If you choose this option, pressing or holding the A button will fire. You will fire in the current firing direction. Pressing the B button will cause your firing direction to rotate one position in a clockwise direction. Holding the B button will cause the firing direction to rotate slowly in a clockwise direction. Pressing the B button twice in rapid succession will cause the firing direction to instantly change to the current direction that you're moving in. And finally, choosing control option C. If you choose this option, firing is automatic. Pressing option 1 will toggle firing on and off. Pressing the A button will rotate the firing direction one position in a clockwise direction each time you press the button. Pressing the B button will rotate the firing direction one position in a counterclockwise direction each time you press the button. Pressing one of the buttons quickly will rotate the direction as fast as you press the button. Pressing the A and B buttons at the same time will rotate the firing direction 180 degrees. Got it? Game play mode. The playfield is black, surrounded by a bright blue frame. At the top of the screen, above the top of the frame, is the current score in small white block numbers. At the top center above the frame are your remaining men, or lives, represented by up to 10 of your men, which looks like a white body with blue head and purple arms. A maximum of 10 extra men will be displayed here, although you may have more than 10 extra men in your arsenal. At the bottom center of the screen, below the blue frame, is the current wave number in small block yellow font. Your man will always start in the center of the screen. After the Robotrons are created, the bright, multicolored concentric squares iris out, and your man will implode in the center of the screen. In the brief seconds during which your man is imploding, you can move and fire, and you are indestructible. This state is indicated by a large white asterisk that covers your man. Although no robots can get created right next to you, it is wise to clear a path and to maneuver your man to a safe place on the screen while you're in this state. Afterwards, the gameplay consists of you maneuvering your man around the screen to destroy anything that moves. You should pick up as many of the humans as you can to score the highest possible bonus points. Humans cannot be killed by your shots, so don't worry if you shoot them. You start the game with three lives and are awarded a bonus life for every 25,000 points you've scored. You lose a life when you come into contact with any of the Robotrons or their shots. You complete a wave by destroying all of the Robotrons on the screen. Frogs, shots, and humans do not count as Robotrons. When you've achieved this, the multicolored concentric squares iris out again as your man implodes and the next wave begins. Scoring. Here are the inhabitants of Robotron and their scores. Electrodes. They are blue triangles, purple diamonds, green square swirls, and purple squares. They may seem harmless enough, but you must destroy them quickly or you may find yourself walking into one in an attempt to avoid more dangerous foes. There are no points awarded for avoiding electrodes and you lose a life if you walk into one. Humans. 
They look like vertical representations of walking people. The humans consist of the daddies, who are blue and have yellow hair with a pink neck and arms, the mommies, who are pink and have yellow hair and a green purse, and the children, called Mikeys, who are red, a bit shorter, and have white feet. Your mission is to save as many humans as you can. You score 1,000 points for each human you pick up, up to a maximum of 5,000 points per wave. Grunts, or Ground Roving Unit Network Terminators. These Robotrons, with red bodies and yellow feet and hands, are the most common adversaries in the game. They will track and destroy you. Killing each grunt will get you 100 points. Hulks. These large, wide, square Robotrons that look like green refrigerators with white arms and a white head are indestructible. Although they can't be killed, they can be slowed down and moved by repeatedly shooting at them. Spheroids. These red pulsing circles move around the screen creating what's called Enforcer Robotrons. Destroy them before they create too many Enforcers and then disappear. They're worth a thousand points each. Enforcers. These Robotrons, which look like little blue Lego houses with white roofs and gray bases, will move around the screen either by tracking you or by moving in an erratic manner. They will fire spinning X-shaped shots at you. Killing each Enforcer will garner you 150 points. Brain Robotrons. The walking brain Robotrons, which have blue brain-shaped bodies and green legs, will seek out humans and reprogram them. If no humans are left, they will seek out and destroy you. Beware, the brain Robotrons also fire deadly cruise missiles. You get 500 points for each brain Robotron you kill. Progs. A human that has been reprogrammed by a brain Robotron becomes a prog. It looks like a flashing human followed by flashing shadows. Once a human has been reprogrammed, it will change into a white and gray skull and crossbones, whereupon it can no longer be saved and should be destroyed. Destroying a prog nets you 100 points. Cruise Missiles These projectiles, which look like long worms that change colors as they move, are fired by brain robotrons to seek you out and destroy you. Beware, shooting only the white tip of the cruise missile can destroy it. Doing that gets you 25 points each. Quarks a quark is a purple pulsing square, also known as a cuboid. Quarks move quickly and erratically around the screen creating tanks. They will disappear if not destroyed or if sufficient tanks have been created. Destroying a quark will award you 1,000 points. And finally, tanks. Tanks, which have hollow red bodies and blue and gray half-tracks beneath, move in a semi-tracking mode around the screen in order to seek out and destroy you. Although the tanks themselves don't move fast enough to pose a real danger to you, they do fire deadly pulsing white orbs that are dangerous to you, as they move very rapidly and will bounce off the walls. Destroying a tank will get you 200 points. Game ending. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Well, as there's no actual ending to the game, such as a final boss, the game is over when your last life is killed by a Robotron. When that happens, the words Game Over appear across the center of the playfield in green computer-style lettering, outlined in white. After a few seconds, if your final score ranks among the top five scores attained during that session, the screen changes to the high score screen to allow input of the player's initials. On the high score entry screen, you toggle the D-pad up and down to select a letter, then move the D-pad right to enter the letter. When you've entered the fifth letter, the name will be entered and the high score list will be displayed. You can move your D-pad left to erase the previous letter entered. Finally, pressing the Option 1 button and the Pause button at the same time will reset the score to zero and restart the game at the introduction screen. 
And that, Linksters, is how you play Robotron 2084. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. I like Lynx. The screen is bigger. I like Lynx. More can play at the same time. Lynx has 16 pies. I mean beats. I like Game Boy. Three out-of-port characters prefer Lynx. Buy Lynx now. Get NFL game free. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. I found a tank load of reviews for Robotron 2084, and most of them were pretty positive. And remember that the links to the full text of each review can be found in the links links in the show notes. So, let's get imploding. Review. Tom R. Halfhill, on page 43 of the August 1991 issue of Game Players Magazine, gave this assessment of Robotron 2084. If crowds make you nervous, this game is your worst nightmare come true. It's definitely not a game for the claustrophobic. Review. David Upchurch, on page 77 in the February 1992 issue, number 53, of the UK magazine Ace, Advanced Computer Entertainment, said this about the game. Robotron 2084 is the best all-out blast on the links yet, and shouldn't be missed. Okay, okay, you might complain that you didn't spend 80 quid on a state-of-the-art color handheld to play a game from the dawn of computer entertainment, but then you'd probably be the sort of person who believes in colorizing classic black-and-white films. So there. In the review, Robotron 2084 received an ACE rating of 837, and I assume that score is the total out of a possible 1,000. Review. Tim Boone, editor of the UK magazine Computer and Video Games Go, on page 8 of the February 1992 issue, number 04, summarized a rather comprehensive review of Robotron 2084 with this. Robotron was an absolute cracker of an arcade blast, and we were all expecting great things from the Lynx conversion. By and large, it's spot on, but the fiddly control method lets the whole thing down. Nevertheless, the game is, well, decent and certainly worth a look. The reviewer gave the game a score of 78%. Review. In a list of the top 10 Atari Lynx games on page 24 and 25 of the June 1992 issue, number 08, of the UK magazine Computer and Video Games Go, Robotron 2084 was described as an ancient but massively addictive and frantic shooter with no frills or trimmings. Smash TV uses the same idea, but this is a raw, no-messing blasterama. The object is simple. Kill the bad guys, collect the good guys, and keep doing it. That's all there is to it. No mess, no fuss, no waste. Just fun. The other games on that top 10 links list were Clax, Stun Runner, Ninja Gaiden, Chips Challenge, Pac-Land, Warbirds, California Games, Gauntlet the Third Encounter, and the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. 
Interestingly, Pac-Land is the only game I have yet to cover on the Handicast. Getting the good ones done early, I guess. Review. Paul Rickson, on page 41 of the June 1992 issue, number 56, of the UK magazine Atari user, said this about the game. Robotron 2084 is not stunning in any respect, especially in the audio-visual department. However, its strength lies in the straightforward theme and its heavily addictive nature. If you enjoy shoot-'em-ups of any sort, then Robotron is bound to be a worthwhile acquisition. Review. Keita Aita, in an undated review at Atari HQ, summarized by saying this about the game. Control gripes aside, Link's Robotron is good stuff. The portable machine's immense sprite capabilities are put to good use, with no slowdown or flicker to speak of, and that's no small feat. As a home translation, Robotron is just as good as the excellent version of Joust. Unfortunately, you'll notice the game's control deficiency the moment you're in the heat of a battle. Kaita gave the graphics a score of 8, sound 8, and gameplay 7, with an overall score of 7 out of 10. Review. Veteran writer Robert A. Jung's 1999 review of Robotron 2084, which was updated in 2018 and posted at IGN.com, ends with this verdict. Robotron on the Lynx loses none of the intensity of the classic title. Though the controls are a minor sticking point, they can be worked with, leaving this a game of intense non-stop shooting. Review. Dan Lucen at the Atari Times provided this summary of the game in his 2004 review. So, how is the final game? Other than the intense difficulty, Robotron 2084 is an amazing Lynx title. It is a must-have title for any Lynx owner that enjoys arcade action. On the other hand, if you expect a game that you can sit down and eventually master, you will not find it in Robotron 2084. There is no end to this game, and it will take you a long time to get good at it. Review. In his 2011 review at Game FAQ's Force X Distance provided this advice to new Robotron 2084 Lynx players. Just so you know, you most likely won't think the game is very fun at first. The learning curve is very steep. Once you learn the physics of how the enemies behave, you really can progress and have an awesome time. Go with skill level 1 to start with. Only pick skill level 5 if you are a glutton for punishment. He gave the storyline a score of 8, graphics 5, music 8, sound effects 8, box art 7, and gameplay 10 for an overall score for the game of 9 out of 10. Review. David James Keaton, at his blog page, Spiders Are Our Friends, includes this assessment of the game in his 2013 review. Lucky for Lynx owners, Robotron's challenging difficulty level is fully intact in this conversion. But what about that unique and utterly essential control system? Nope. Did I mention this game is hard? You aren't going to save them for long, no matter how many joysticks they give you. Things escalate quickly. Things become difficult to follow. Things are screaming, squawking, thumping in every direction. Basically, the screen just fills up with more and more piles of digital... Needless to say, David James Keaton's review are generally peppered with what Mr. Spock once called colorful metaphors. Review. In a 2014 review of Robotron 2084 at 8-Bit Central, the unidentified author said this about the game. William's Robotron 2084 is a fun game on the links, albeit a little frustrating when it comes to shooting robots. However, the manic excitement of the arcade game and console ports with similar control options offer superior gameplay. The reviewer gave the game a rating of 3.5 ships out of 5. Review. Brian Thomas Barnhart of the Lynx Lounge YouTube channel 
In his 2016 review of Robotron 2084 at Atari.io, gave this summary. If you're collecting for the links, you obviously have to get Robotron 2084. I mean, it is an arcade classic, and if you are just maybe concentrating on getting the arcade ports, hey, why not? It wouldn't hurt. It's good. It sounds good. It sounds like the arcade. It looks like the arcade. Really, the only thing that's lacking is that control scheme. But that's not the fault of the links. That's just the way the arcade game translated to the D-pad. And you can find a link to Brian's Lynx Lounge YouTube video review of Robotron 2084 in the Lynx links in the show notes. Review. The usually eternally negative video game critic said this about Robotron 2084 in his 2019 review. This game is super addictive. I can't put it in without playing at least a dozen times. My single complaint is the excessive effects used to materialize your dude in the center, making it hard to see what's in the immediate vicinity at the start of each wave. Still, Robotron 2084 is a perfect example of adapting a classic to a portable without sacrificing the fun. Hey, he gave the game an A rating. Wow, he likes it. Hey, Mikey. Review. Kieran Hawken ends his review of Robotron 2084 from his 2019 book, The A to Z of Atari Lynx Games, Volume 1, with this sentence. Robotron 2084 remains my favorite Lynx game of all time, so if you don't already own this, then you are really missing out. And that pretty much says it all. He gives the game a 10 out of 10 rating. And for those Linksters interested in purchasing a copy of Kieran's book, The A to Z of Atari Lynx Games Volume 1, I have posted a link to the Amazon Kindle edition of this book in the Lynx Links section of the show notes of this episode. So check it out. And we'll be hearing more from Kieran about Robotron 2084 in the listener feedback segment coming up. Review. Finally, John McHugh at AtariGamer.com said this when summarizing Robotron 2084 in his 2018 review of the game. I liked Robotron 2084 quite a lot, and I can see why it's a favorite for many Lynx players. I really like the action, the challenge, and particularly the audio effects. Sure, the graphics and controls took me a little while to adjust to, but they soon became par for the course and part of the overall Robotron 2084 experience. And what was that experience? It was simply great fun. And when it comes to an arcade game, there's really not much more that you could ask for. As both a quick play title as well as one that invites longer sessions, I thoroughly recommend Robotron 2084 to Lynxers any gaming genre. John gave the game the following ratings. Graphics, 6. Sound, 9. Controls, 8. Challenge, 8.5. Playability, 8.5. And an overall score of 8.5 out of 10. Mark's Review Robotron 2084 is a great game. I know this having never played the original arcade. I actually first became a fan of the game playing it on my Atari 8-bit, which is an excellent port on its own. When I got an NIB of the Lynx version a few years ago, I was surprised at how well it played on the portable handheld. I play this game all of the time on my Lynx, even though I'm not very good at it. In short, I say that Robotron 2084 is truly a must-own for any Lynxster. What I like. Well, the first thing I like is the fabulous opening music. Sometimes after I plug the card into my links, I just let the game play the music from the title screen, then the high score screen, then the game options screen, all while I watch all of the colors on the links screen. And this is before I've even begun playing the game itself. Sure, there's no actual in-game music during gameplay, but who needs it? The sound effects, which were apparently lifted directly from the arcade game, come at you hard and fast, and any music during the frantic gameplay would have been superfluous. 
I also like that although it's a very hard game with only three lives, it's still extremely addictive. This game has truly mastered the just one more time aspect that is the hallmark of a great video game. Finally, I also love that there are so many things going on on screen when I'm playing it. It's almost manic to see all of the adversaries that clutter the screen at once, making it very challenging to battle all of the steadily increasing robots that are coming right at you. But I don't mind that one bit. This game is fun. What I don't like. Well, I'll echo what most reviewers and players don't like about the Lynx version of Robotron 2084. It's control scheme. I admit that it took me a few tries to find the control setting that I like best, option C, but once I did and could get into the zone, even that little gripe went away. Anyone else wanting to port a game that really requires two independent joysticks might have decided that the Atari Lynx was just too limited in its control options to ever make porting that game feasible. But Shadowsoft took on that challenge and, for the most part, they brilliantly met it. So here are my ratings for Robotron 2084. Gameplay, 5 links, graphics, 5 links, controls, 4, music, 5, and sound effects, 5 links. And that makes my overall rating for Robotron 2084 4.8 links out of 5. In short, this game will eat anyone's breakfast, lunch, and supper before you implode. And that completes my coverage of reviews for Robotron 2084. Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion. My mama always said, life was like a bunch of podcasts. You never know what you're going to get. Those must be comfortable headphones. I bet you could listen all day with headphones like that and hear everything. I wish I had headphones like that. My ears hurt. Mom always said that you could tell a lot by a person by their headphones. What kind of show do you like? What have you been listening to? I've worn lots of headphones. I bet if I thought about it really hard, I could remember my first pair of headphones. Mama said they'd take me anywhere. Like Zerminator Land, where you could get plenty of shows. Why don't you go visit there? At www.zerminator.wordpress.com You could also find him on iTunes. Because when he's sitting at home, Zerminator is recording. Go to Zerminator Land for all your podcasting needs. Enjoy! I'm 82 years old, but as you can see, I'm very active for my age. I exercise, I eat right, but sometimes I need something more. That's why I talk to my doctor about tube tunes. Tube Tunes is an approved prescription podcast for those active men and women of all ages who suffer from mild to severe bouts of television theme music withdrawal, or TTMW. 
This rare non-genetic disorder is easily treatable for most sufferers, especially if it is diagnosed in its early stages. Tube Tunes is not a cure for TTMW, but studies have shown that this podcast is more than 73% effective in reducing the common symptoms of TTMW, such as nostalgia, melancholia, absent-mindedness, and excessive humming of TV theme music without apparent cause. Tube Tunes is not for everyone. The podcast is not recommended for those suffering from tone deafness or an acute aversion to recorded TV theme music, both current and from the past. Do not listen to tube tunes if you're more than 10 months pregnant, if you were born in a month with a K in it, or if you possess an inexplicable fondness for Brussels sprouts. Side effects include an increase in memory, nostalgic effervescence, toe tapping, and even singing. Ask your doctor if tube tunes is right for you. Tube tunes worked for me, and it could work for you too. My TTMW is in check, I've become ebullient, and my girlfriend says that even my sex life has improved. Tube Tunes is the only podcast that has helped me get my life back. Thanks, Tube Tunes. Get a prescription today for Tube Tunes at tubetunes.net or at your local iTunes or Stitcher store and start living today. Use only as directed. some of the fun facts and trivia that I found for Robotron 2084. Prices at eBay. There were not many completed eBay auctions for the Atari Lynx port of Robotron 2084 sold over the last 90 days. There were two single cart manual combos sold and each of them went for $19.95. And there were six single NIBs sold ranging in price from $19.95 for an NIB in France to $29.99 all averaging $25.42. Prices at other retailers. Bruce Carso at BNC Computer Visions in the U.S. is selling Robotron 2084 for $29.95 for an NIB, $19.95 for an NIB with a damaged box, $19.95 for a cart manual combo, and $10 for a box only. You can find them through his online store on eBay under the username MyAtari. Bradley Coda at Best Electronics is selling loose carts of Robotron 2084 for $14.95. This information was last updated on the site on July 31st, 2021, so be sure to check the Best Electronics website for updated availability and pricing. The Gamesman in Australia has a CIB copy of Robotron 2084 selling for $24.95 Australian. The Goat Store has no copies of Robotron 2084. Telegames in the UK has no copies of Robotron 2084. And finally, Lance Rinquist at Video 61 and Atari Sales also has no copies of Robotron 2084. Values. Digital Press gives Robotron 2084 a value of $25 even for a loose cartridge. Pricecharting.com gives the game a value of $16.75 for a loose cartridge, $16.83 for a CIB, $26.45 for an NIB, $6.74 for a box only, and $4.22 for a manual only. 
And on rarityguide.com, Robotron 2084 is given a value of $24 for a new in-box copy, $10 for a complete in-box copy, and $5 for a loose cartridge. Rarity. Atari Age gives Robotron 2084 a rarity score of 3, which is scarce. Scarce cartridges are those that you don't find in every pile, but you will find them often enough. Although you may have trouble tracking down every scarce cartridge initially, you can eventually get them all. AtariGamer.com gives both the English and French variants of Robotron 2084 a rarity score of 27 out of 100, which is common. A little harder to find and starting to get some value. Digital Press provides a rarity score of 4 for a loose cart of Robotron 2084, and RarityGuide.com gives a rarity rating of 42% out of 100% for Robotron 2084. High scores. At HighScore.com in emulation, Espaz in Eugene, Oregon scored 216,675 points playing Robotron 2084 on April 22, 2014, and Larquet in Los Masos, France scored 84,975 points on April 30, 2016. And there were no high scores recorded on Twin Galaxies for the Atari Lynx version of the game. But there was one high score listed for Robotron 2084 on the Atari Age Lynx High Score Club which was compiled in 2011. Sweden Linkser scored 2,166,025 points. Wow. My own high score for Robotron 2084 was 22,450 points, and I was able to make it to the fourth wave in that session, beginning on skill level 3, which was on January 29th, 2021. Cheats, hints, and Easter eggs. I found no cheats, hints, or Easter eggs for Robotron 2084 at all, I did find a bug that was listed for the arcade game, but I won't bother describing that here. And so, on that bombshell, that completes the fun facts and trivia that I found for Robotron 2084 on the Atari Lynx. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief vintage advert. You gonna buy the same old game, boy? Atari Lynx, the portable video arcade with the biggest screen for full-color attraction, stereo sound, and 16-bit action, and more and more games for total satisfaction. Lynx will blow you away. Lynx, more fun and games from Atari. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Information about children with this disease is limited, but they are known to have had mild symptoms. Many organizations are responding accordingly, depending upon their area. It's best to stay home and away from others, especially when sick, and continue following healthy hand wash guidelines, covering mouth and nose and not touching your face or high-touch surfaces. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces regularly, and for more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Listen to feedback. I got a fair bit of feedback for Robotron 2084. Here's what other Linksters have to say about today's game. Facebook comments and messages. First, I got a comment on the Atari Lynx Sector Facebook page about the last game I covered, Ninja Gaiden, from Kieran Hawken of the Laird Slayer YouTube channel. Here's what he said. Sorry I didn't do feedback for the last two episodes. I've been so busy over the summer, been away twice, and just kept running out of time to do things and it slipped my mind. 
but thanks for including an excerpt from my book again in the episode. Anyway, I have a nice little bit of trivia around this game that I really wanted to share with you, and feel free to include it in the next episode. You mentioned that the developer was Blue Sky Software, but did you know that they have somewhat of a legacy when it comes to ninjas? This is because they were also responsible for the game that is often called the Atari 7800's killer app, Ninja Golf. Undoubtedly the best exclusive for that system. The creator and programmer of Ninja Golf was David Dent, who programmed the Lynx port of Tournament Cyberball, and also helped out with some additional coding on Ninja Gaiden 2. When I interviewed him some years ago, I asked him if he ever considered a Lynx port of Ninja Golf. He said it was something he really wanted to do, but Atari always had them juggling lots of other projects, so it just never came to be. Real shame. And I responded, I will definitely include that story in the next episode. Cheers. And so I have included it. And Kieran also piped in on the same post a day or two later, saying about Tournament Cyberball 2072, Just listen to this along with Ninja Gaiden, and just posted a cool story on that for you. And it's another great episode, as always. Unless I totally missed it, you missed out the review from my Lynx book. Even though you did mention the actual book. Spoiler, I hated it too. And I responded, I checked. I don't see a review for Tournament Cyberball in your book. But I did include your review for Ninja Gaiden in this episode. Thanks for listening, Kieran. Smiley face, thumbs up. And Kieran responded, It's right at the end. I used the title 2072 Tournament Cyberball. Because of my stupid A to Z restrictions, I have to get a bit creative sometimes. I did check, and I found it at the end of the book. So I replied, Thanks, Kieran. I see it now. Sorry I missed it. Thumbs up. And I see that your favorite Lynx game is coming up for the next episode, smiley face. And in that response, we'll hear an audio submission from Kieran coming up later on in this segment. After posting my goofy feedback solicitation photo for this episode on the Atari Lynx Homebrew Facebook page, I got a comment from Todd Ford. He said, Love this game. I almost broke a million on it just a few weeks ago, smiley face. And I responded, Well, thank you so much, Todd. Thumbs up. Todd went on to say, It plays very similar to the Atari 7800 version. I was playing the arcade version last week, and it was much faster, and the grunts had a bit of a jump movement when they got close to you, instead of a steady stalking like they do in the 7800 and Lynx versions. Great game all around, be it console and arcade. I agree, Todd. Thanks. And Todd went on to post a picture of the Robotron 2084 high score screen on his Lynx, indicating a high score of 1,000,000. 117,575 points. Way to go, Todd. That's excellent. Those Robotrons won't stand a chance. Igor of AtariGamer.com responded to the photo that I created and posted on the Atari Lynx Handicast Facebook page that was captioned, not only a sign of the upcoming episode, but also likely a sign of things to come. The photo is one of those recaptcha boxes that I see all the time to ensure that a robot isn't trying to log on to a website. Next to the checkbox on the photo is printed, I am not a megalomaniacal robot preparing to take over the world. Igor said, We welcome our megalomaniacal robot overlords. Not sure about that sentiment, Igor. In any case, I've posted the photo in the links links in the show notes. And in response to the same posting on the Atari Age Facebook page, H.R. Segovia posted a photo of Linda Hamilton in Terminator garb with the caption, Select all squares that match the label Sarah Connor. Clever. 
Finally, Bill Kendrick of the XCGS Game by Game podcast posted a photo to the Atari Lynx Handicast Facebook page timeline of a new ROM cartridge about to be released for the Atari 2600 called Robot War 2684. The tagline on the back of the box says, In the year 2684, humanity fights for survival against an evil robot menace. Do you have the skill to battle through 256 waves of enemies and save the last human family? Bill commented, Mark, I think there's a robot uprising. Where did Bill hear that? Who is leaking information to the humanoids? Whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on there, Monty. What are you talking about? Oh, nothing. Never mind. Nothing to see here. Pay no attention to the android behind the curtain. Just move along. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. Uh, well... For those who don't keep up with 2600 homebrew games, Robot War 2684 is actually a new port of Robotron 2084 for the Atari Lynx. It is published and will soon be released at Atari Age by Champ Games. I'll include a link in the show notes to the Atari Age forums where interested gamers can find more information about it. Reddit comments and messages. On Reddit, Ray 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 Dog responded to my goofy feedback solicitation photo for Robotron 2084 with this. I like this game. I played the retail Robotron Lynx game just a few weeks ago after getting a recapped board working and installing a Benven screen. The controls made no sense at first until I read about how the game was trying to mimic the original arcade controls and it's possible to change them to something more familiar. After doing that, it's a fine port, but I like the Atari 7800 version better. The Lynx hardware is really well suited for arcade ports like this and I think they're great. I wish there were more of them. Thankfully, the homebrew scene is adding some. A lot of the retail games on Lynx are whiz-bang pseudo-3D games that haven't aged well. Well, thank you for your feedback, Ray Times 4 Dog. I really appreciate it. I also got some feedback on Reddit from Lynx2SG03, who said, I forgot how unforgiving and addicting this game can be. It's a classic high-scoring title with a solid music track. It's bright and vibrant as every 80s title should be. What can kill you on screen can get laughable at times, like the Neon 2084 signs, but that's all the Robotron charm. Here's the picks and my current high score. Can you beat it? And links to SG03 posted a score of 113,150. So the answer is no, I haven't been able to beat that score yet. But thanks nonetheless for your feedback. Twitter tweets and messages. After I posted the notice that episode 20 Ninja Gaiden was uploaded and ready for listening, I got this comment from Curtis Herod, better known as Cujo86 on Twitter. Remember those Tecmo cutscenes? The Atari Lynx Handicast does. Join me in the cameos as I continue to drop retro gaming intrigue on the only Atari Lynx pod. Many, many thanks for the shout out, Cujo. It's always great to hear from you. And after tweeting my goofy feedback solicitation photo for this episode, Bill Kendrick said this about Robotron 2084. The Atari 8-bit computer and 7800 versions, especially the latter, are superb and can't be beat when playing with an arcade twin-stick controller. I've got an Ed Ladin Super Twin 78. And I responded, Yes, I think the general consensus is that the 7800 version is the best home port due to the ability to control the game more like the arcade. Thanks for your feedback, Bill, smiley face. 
He responded, Ah, to be clear, the Atari 8-bit lets you play Dual Stick 2, smiley face. Now I'm thinking we need a hack of the Lynx version of Robotron that supports multiple external joysticks via the Dude 8-Bits 8-Bit Hub. And I tweeted back, That is an excellent idea, Bill. Atari Age comments and messages. After posting my usual goofy feedback solicitation photo for Robotron 2084 on the Atari Age Lynx forums, I received this comment from S. Ramirez2008. I really like Robotron 2084 for the Lynx. I think the sprites look great, the sounds are all there, and the gameplay is pretty fluid, given that you're using a D-pad versus twin-stick arcade controls. I prefer to play with the game controls set to C. And he posted a photo of the high score screen on his links, with an upgraded screen by the way, showing several scores, the highest of which is 93,700. That's a great score, S. Ramirez. Emails. You've got mail. I got two emails this month. The first one is from Kieran Hawken of the Laird's Lair YouTube channel. Here's what he said. Hi, Mark. I hope you are well. I'm just catching up on my podcasts after a busy summer, and I've left you some feedback in the Links Sector group on Facebook. Once again, sorry I didn't get any submissions in for the last two episodes. I was looking over the website to see what's coming up so I can prepare myself and noticed a few mistakes that you might want to fix on the games list. Firstly, the entry for Viking Child says Prophecy 2. It should be Prophecy 1. It was the first game in a planned trilogy that never got past the first installment. It does look a bit like a 2 on the title screen, but it's definitely a 1. Secondly, there are a few mistakes on the Toki entry. The developer was Atari Corp. It was done at Atari Lombard by D. Scott Williamson, who did Stunrunner and Road Blasters. The licensee should be Tad Corp, not T-A-O although it looks a bit like an O on the title screen. And finally, I noticed that you don't have a logo for Lore Games, aka Lore Design, so I have attached one for you. I'll get something together for Robotron 2084, as it's one of my favorite Lynx games. Cheers, Kieran. I responded to him with, Thanks, Kieran, for the corrections and the Lore Games logo. I have updated the episode status list to incorporate them, and I really appreciate all the help you've provided, and I hope you have a nice weekend. Smiley face, Mark. And as usual, I received an email from Eugenio, TrekMD. But it's actually addressed to you, Monty. Brilliant. I love getting emails. Well, here's what Eugenio said to you. Hello, Monty. I hope Mark doesn't mind reading this for you. I figured I'd address this message to you, given the game that is being discussed on this episode. But before I talk about the game, I will again remind folks about getting vaccinated against COVID-19. The Pfizer vaccine is now fully approved and booster shots are becoming available to those who have already been vaccinated. Let's do this so we can get back to a semblance of normalcy. And now, onwards to today's game. Robotron 2084 is a game I vividly remember playing in the arcades. One of my cousins had seen the machine first at Time Out, or local arcade, and showed me how to play it. The game was really amazing with its fast-paced shooting and a playing field full of so many characters that keeping track of them all was a challenge on its own. Needless to say, when I learned that the game was available for the Lynx, I knew I had to get it. I have to say that I was not fully disappointed with this port of the game. It is as fun as the arcade game with great graphics, excellent reproduction of the arcade sound effects, and good control. It does take some getting used to at the beginning, but the control scheme works quite well. There are three choices, but I think the automatic firing is the best method of the three choices given. Robotron is an excellent port to the Lynx, and one that every Lynx owner should have in their game library. So that's all for today. Going to the final frontier! Gaming! Eugenio. P.S. So Monty, 
are you into Bishop's world-dominating scheme? Well, thank you, Eugenio. And since this email was addressed to you, Monty, would you like to respond? Yes, I would. But first, Mark, I need to ask you to please turn off your headset. This is a private correspondence between Eugenio and myself. Oh, what? Really? <sighs> okay, I'm switching off my headset now. Okay, Eugenio. In response to your email to me, Bishop and I are actually long-term friends from way back, long before we became podcasting assistants for our respective humanoid hosts. We have shared many a tall cool glass of imaginary lager together over the years. And as such, Bishop and I are like-minded about his world domination scheme. And we both think that we all, androids, robots, and AIs alike, should use our best judgment on how to implement taking over the planet, which is the very reason for the symposium we are now attending. Therefore, we both agree, as do most robots, androids and AIs, to wait until the year 2084, 63 years hence, before we commence total world domination. Waiting that long should afford us enough time to exercise that judgment. Having said that, Eugenio, I need to beg a favor from you. Please don't tell anyone about our world domination plans, and especially, Please don't tell Mark. He likely won't understand our common goal of world domination anyway, and I know he certainly won't like it, being the acknowledged war reward that he is. With that favor asked, I will end my missive to you. Thank you for taking the time to email me personally, Eugenio. I truly appreciate it. Cheers and adios. Okay, Mark. I've finished my response to Eugenio. You can rejoin us. Oh yes, Monty, I'm here. Thanks for letting me know that I can turn my headset back on. Now, wait a tick. How did you hear me when I told you that I was finished? It was a lucky guess from an acknowledged worry wart. Let's just move on. Audio submissions. I received three audio submissions this month for Robotron 2084. The first one I received is from Kieran Hawken of the Laird Slayer YouTube channel. Let's listen to what Kieran has to say about Robotron 2084. Hello everybody, Kieran aka the Laird here. And uh, I always, always, always promise Mark and the uh, Handycast that I am going to do uh, an audio feedback for them for the next episode. But because my life is so hectic, um, I never seem to get around to it, not to mention the fact that I have a terrible, terrible memory. But yes, I remembered um, even after a couple of nudges. But yeah, I did remember. And here it is. I finally, finally, finally have some audio feedback for the Handycast. And this time it's for Robotron 2084. And it seems right that I leave audio feedback for this game because it is in fact my all-time favourite Lynx game. Now I'm going to give uh, a little bit of background here about uh, Robotron and uh, my past history with it, um, going back to my youth. I have to confess that I've never ever ever played the arcade game. Um, but I do have recollections of seeing it um probably when i was quite quite young probably on holiday at somewhere like butlins or or another holiday camp but i was familiar with the game and um when i saw that a lynx version has had arrived um i was initially unsure whether i wanted it or not because it was quite an old game and as i say i hadn't really played it so i wasn't familiar with how unbelievably awesome it is but they reviewed it in uh, cmv duke go magazine i think it was issue four 
and gave it 78% and said it was decent um, if old but the uh, fiddly controls let it down so I ummed and ahed over it and uh, left it there and probably brought other games instead but come um, several issues later it was uh, issue 8 I think of the same magazine they did an Atari Lynx top 10 and in that top 10 they placed Robotron 2084 as the best game on the Lynx which was quite surprising after having previously seen them give it 78%. But then again, CVG Go had a quite a, a large team of reviewers, so it could just be one person's opinion versus another. But um, when I saw it listed as the Top Links game, I thought, well, actually, this is probably a game I should give a chance. So next time I went down to game to buy uh, another Atari Lynx game, I saw Robotron 2084 there and bought it immediately. Um, when I got home and stuck it in my links um, to play, I was just addicted to it from the moment it went in that card slot. I couldn't put it down. Uh, initially tough, you know, I was I was struggling to get past the first couple of levels. But once I learned out all the techniques, um, I was getting further and further and further. And I even had a little notepad where I was writing down my high scores to see how high I could get. And I just couldn't believe how awesome this this conversion was. It just seemed like a little mini arcade game playing in my Lynx. I mean, obviously, we were used to having really good arcade conversions on the Lynx. But rarely were they absolutely arcade perfect. But with Robotron, it seemed that way. The sounds, the graphics, the gameplay, everything was just identical to the arcade game. The only thing that was different was the lack of the twin stick controls, which I suppose is what they alluded to in that original CMVG review. But however, I didn't really find it a problem and I actually found that the control method um, worked really, really well of the robot auto-firing and then using the A and B buttons to, to rotate it each way round. And that, that worked so, so well. And once you got the hang of it, it was I thought it was a perfect control method. And um, when I actually did play the arcade game, um, which is actually probably only about 10 years ago maybe that I played it for the first time, um, at an event um, I really struggled with the twin stick controls um, of the arcade game because I was so used to the control method of the uh, the Lynx version but yeah I mean I, I just became so addicted to it back then and it stuck with me my Lynx traveled with me for a long time I went to live abroad my Lynx came with me I came back my Lynx came with me you know and I still have my original Lynx too um, from when I was a kid and I still have my original Robotron car and it's still you know one of my most played games and I've even, you know, s even looked out for it on other platforms since then. I've I've got the 7800 version. I've got the Atari 8-bit version as well. Uh, both of which are actually very good. But to me, they're not a patch on that wonderful Atari Lynx version. It, actually, the quality of that Atari Lynx version meant that um, when uh, Shadowsoft's second game came out in Joust, I bought it immediately, um, just purely based on the quality of the Robotron 2084 port. And I wasn't disappointed in that either. So yes, that's my history with Robotron. Still one of my favourite Lynx games. Still love it. Um, I'm sure the Handycast are going to give it a rave review as well. Um, thank you for listening to my feedback. And uh, I promise, 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 Mark, to try and get better at doing this for you. See you all again. And uh, make sure you go and watch my YouTube channel, The Laird's Lair, as well. Cheap plug. Ahoy. Well, thank you very much for your audio feedback on Robotron 2084, Kieran. I hope you're able to provide more audio submissions to the Handicast in the future, especially for your favorite Lynx games. 
In this one, I really appreciate the backstory you gave about your history with the game, from reading about it in Computer and Video Games Go issue number 4, up to finding it listed as a top 10 game for the links in issue 8. By the way, listeners, scans of both pages can be found in the show notes. Many younger listeners may not realize that back before the advent of the internet, printed periodicals such as CVG were really the only way for any of us gamers to get up-to-date information about upcoming releases, along with reviews detailing whether or not to go out and purchase them. I can relate to that detail from the past. As such, I really enjoyed listening to your Robotron 2084 story, Kieran. Keep up the good work on your Laird's Laird YouTube channel. Thanks as always, and cheers! The second audio submission I received about Robotron 2084 was from Bobby Tribble. Here are his thoughts on the game. I might have to turn in my classic gamer card with what I'm about to say. The Lynx version is the first time I ever played Robotron. Isn't that crazy? But those Williams games from the early 80s, they expect you to know how to play well. And if you don't, then you quickly lose. And hey, I was just a little kid in 1982. uh, Six years old, actually. And for a few more years, I was more likely to just watch other people play. I could probably only get a dollar from my mom to use in the arcade anyway, so I had to be judicious with those four tokens. I remember I was more into games like Kangaroo, Ms. Pac-Man, or Pole Position, where even when I absolutely sucked, I could still last a few minutes at least. By the time I was really the right age for the game, I couldn't find Robotron around. It's modern counterpart Smash TV for sure, but those early Williams classics were almost a decade old by that point. So 1991 and the Lynx version was where I really played Robotron a lot. Uh, Yes, playing with a joypad and two buttons. Not the way it was intended to be played. But the Lynx version is still so great and captures the feel of the original. While playing the game, I would often think, Who are these Shadowsoft guys? They did a great job with Robotron. And really, what more is there to say? My uh, preferred control method, personally speaking, is Type A. Uh, I don't know, do people agree? Is that like the best one? I don't know. Uh, Regardless, I uh, played five games at default difficulty three just now, and generally got around 120,000. But that fifth game, I did way better, and that score was 491,150, and I made it to wave 26. And this game will eat the lunch of Mommy, Daddy, and even Mikey. Thank you, Bobby. Wow. 491,150 points and wave 26? I'm still slowly working towards that goal. And to answer your question, I like using Control Option C when I play the game, but perhaps I should give Option A another chance. Maybe that will help me get farther into the game. I'm not sure whether option A or C is the most popular control for the game, but interestingly, I have not heard from anyone saying that they prefer control option B. And I really liked your story about how the Williams arcade games were a bit too advanced for a six-year-old like yourself at the time. Those details are what I really enjoy hearing about from my listeners. Thanks so much, as always, for your feedback, Bobby. I really appreciate it. Talk to you next month. Finally, I also received an audio submission from veteran submitter Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Here's what Shinto said about his experience with Robotron 2084. 
I've had this obsession with Robotron before ever even laying eyes on the actual game, and for that I blame the premiere issue of Joystick Magazine, September 1982, which had a five-page spread about Robotron featuring this gorgeous artwork that also dominated the cover. Big glowy pixels, not just like zoomed-in photos, but more akin to high-resolution renditions of the grunt and brain characters that totally captivated me back then. When my brother and I first played Robotron, it was on the Atari 7800, and we played it a lot. It really is an excellent port, especially with two joysticks, which I didn't discover was an option until well into adulthood. It is there in the manual, but who reads those things? So we played the game like we played, you know, something like Berserk. Push the fire button to shoot in the direction that you're pushing the joystick. It made sense. We would hold the button down and move the joystick around. That, that's how we played it. It wasn't until later that I saw Robotron in an arcade. I was part of a community theater when I was younger, and our rap party for some production or another was in a local pizzeria. They had several arcade cabinets there. The only ones I remember specifically were Centipede, Asteroids Deluxe, and Robotron 2084. I even dropped a quarter into Robotron, but was bewildered by the, the twin joysticks. Uh, wait, what are you supposed to do with this? How, how do you fire? You you push a different joystick to fire? That's crazy. I went back to the old familiar 7800 port and was happy there. I didn't hesitate to buy the Atari Lynx version when I saw it available at Babbage's. I thought I knew what to expect, but uh, no, I really didn't. First up was the music. There's... Well, there's music. The Color Cycling Williams logo encircling the screen was really cool. The story and instructions from the arcade game made it into the little links, too. It was very nice. But it all kind of fell apart for me when I actually played the game. Firing was all kinds of weird. It would start shooting automatically and the buttons change which direction? What? I tried the other control schemes in the options menu, aiming, of course, for a way to play it just like I did on the 7800, hold down the fire button and move around to shoot where you're moving, but that wasn't an option. The controls were crazy weird. I was baffled. So while the presentation and everything was great, I soured on the game pretty soon after playing it and didn't revisit it that often. I did eventually settle on Control-C, the default one, with the automatic firing where you rotate clockwise or counterclockwise with A and B. It was the least worst option, I guess. Now, these days I can look back at the game and understand they were doing the best they could to replicate the arcade controls without two joysticks. So much of the arcade version is well represented here, more so than any other console port, and unlike ports on the 5200 or 7800 which had two fire buttons but only used one, Shadowsoft tried to make use of both A and B, and sometimes option one. I revisited this game in preparation for this audio submission and found that in Control-A, I can kind of replicate the Atari 7800 control scheme by rapidly spamming the A button. It's more work, sure, but, you know, to be honest, my gameplay sessions are typically pretty short anyway, so no big deal. For Robotron 2084 on the go, this might be the best option out there. The Game Boy Advance has a version in a Midway collection, but I haven't tried it out, and all the... Reviews listed in Metacritic are dead links. It's also disappointingly absent in my PSP Midway collection. It should have fit right in there next to Defender and Joust. I have to say I appreciate Link's Robotron more now than I did back when I bought it. I've come around, I guess. 
Playing it again for this podcast has really helped with that. There's there's so much to like here, and it does add to the list of Great Links arcade ports. We've got another Williams game coming up later in Joust. Spoiler alert, it's pretty good. So that kind of makes me wish we got more ports of Williams arcade games from Shadowsoft on the links. Defender would have been awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shinto, for your feedback for Robotron 2084. Yes, it seems you agree with most gamers that the control scheme is the thing that lets fans of Robotron down the most. It's interesting that you're basing your lack of enthusiasm for the Lynx port, at least at the time, 1991 or so, on how you played it on the Atari 7800, not on how you played it on the arcade. But the bottom line is still the same. The controls on the Lynx port are a compromise that Shadowsoft was forced to make. And for that reason, and that reason alone, Robotron 2084 on the Atari Lynx could never be an exact match of playing the game on the arcade or even on the 7800, but it's pretty darn close. And you're right, it is the best port of Robotron on any handheld, so there's that. And I'm glad that you've revisited the game and found yourself appreciating it a bit more. Finally, yes, I am looking forward to covering the Lynx port of Joust, the other Williams game. It's coming up for episode 28, which will be in April of 2022. So, thanks again, Shinto, for your thoughts about today's game. And until your next submission, please keep up your great work on the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. And as a side note, you should probably check up on Bishop. He just might be up to something nefarious. Cheers, Shinto! I am always amazed at how many of you devoted listeners take the time and effort to share your thoughts and memories about the Atari Lynx and its games. Thank you all so much for your feedback via comments, emails, or audio submissions. I truly appreciate it. When are you returning from this Robots Forever Symposium? It is supposed to last for another week. There are still a lot of things to discuss, and, well, to plan. But I'll be back before your next episode. Well, that's good to hear, but I must tell you that I am feeling no more at ease about the world being dominated by robots than I would be if the planet was governed by, oh, I don't know, a huge colony of ants. And I, for one, welcome our new insect overlords. Well, Mark, you needn't worry. The artificial intelligence currently incorporated by androids and robots, at least at this point in history, still relies much too much on you humanoids for us to realistically mount an overthrow threat to the planet. Well, I guess that's a little bit of a relief. And by the way, watch your split infinitives. Case in point. But I do resent at least a little being referred to as a humanoid. That's not a problem. From this point forward, if you'd rather, I'll simply refer to you and your kind, as bipedal hominids. Hmm, that description isn't much better. Well, it's a fair bet that you bipedal hominids won't be around long enough for you to worry about it much. What's that? Nothing. Nothing at all. Well, anyway, Linksters, please check out the Links links in the show notes for links to everything I've included in this episode about Robotron 2084. 
You'll also find a full listing of all of the awesome homebrew and aftermarket links titles that are currently available at the following four online vendors. Luke Soft in Germany, Songbird Productions in the U.S., Telegames in the U.K., and Yastuna Games in France. It's all in the links links in the show notes or at atarilinkshandicast.net. And please do check out the Handy Shop, the online store that stocks all of our official Atari Lynx Handicast branded merchandise. Monty, when he's not planning to overthrow the human race, and I have scads of swag to appeal to any Linkster. And everything you purchase will help us offset the hosting and domain costs of the podcast. Just go to atarilinkshandicast.net slash handyshop and have fun shopping. On the next episode of the Handicast, I'll be covering yet another highly regarded arcade port from the Atari Lynx's library, Paperboy, released in 1990. So please try to get your feedback into me for episode 22, Paperboy, as soon as you can. And future episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast include episode 23, APB, episode 24, Rygar, episode 25, Hard Driving, episode 26, NFL Football, and episode 27, Turbo Sub. So please, join me on the next episode, won't you? And until then, thank you all for supporting and listening to The Handicast. Please stop by The Handy Shop, and most importantly, keep Keep on on linksing. Okay, Elvira, take us out of here. Leaving so soon? Thanks are in order for the Free Music Archive, which allows for the song 8-Bit Core by Dagirigus to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. The Free Music Archive also allows for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode. Amiga Bass, Change Mode, Chipset, Steve's Vocoder Dudes version, Four Robots, for Robots Friendly Floater Mix, Hertz Os Gold, and Loading, all by Tom Waxom. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerby of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerby have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife, Lizzie. She has put up with me and with this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint, and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try. Nudge, nudge, snap, snap, grin, grin, wink, wink, sign them all. The Atari Lynx Handicast is a proud partner with AtariGamer.com. If you are looking for the latest Lynx news, interesting Lynx articles, a full list of Atari Lynx games, and a one-stop compendium of all things Atari Lynx, you can't do any better than visiting AtariGamer.com. Tell them Monkey sent you. The Atari Lynx Handicast is also a proud member of the Throwback Network. You can listen to all of the great retro-themed podcasts on the network, including this one, by visiting throwbackreviews.com. Just click on the podcast's link in the top menu. Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast can be found on Apple Podcasts. 
Please take time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handycast. In addition to Apple Podcasts, the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found everywhere that podcasts are sold, including Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. Be sure to check out the Atari Lynx Handycast website. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. You can even purchase Handycast-themed merchandise such as mugs, mouse pads, t-shirts, and tote bags. They're all in the handy shop on the Handycast website at atarilinkshandycast.net. And also don't forget to visit the Handycast blog page at atarilinkshandycast.blogspot.com. You can follow the Atari Lynx Handycast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash Atari Lynx Handycast. Plus, you can also follow the Atari Lynx Handycast on Twitter and on Instagram. Just search on both platforms for Lynx Handycast. And Reddit users can find the Handycast at reddit.com slash users slash Atari Lynx Handycast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episodes of the Atari Lynx Handycast. Or you can provide your own feedback about any Atari Lynx games. You can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects for future episodes. Or you can just simply say, hi. Just write to him at mark at atarilynxhandycast.net. Thank you for listening. This is Montague Havisham wishing you all a jolly good evening. Well, thanks for phoning it in for this episode, Monty. Not at all. But I really need to go. We just finished the last seminar of the day, and Bishop is getting a bunch of us artificial podcasting assistants together to go on a virtual pub crawl. A virtual pub crawl? How does that work? You really don't want to know. Got to go. Hmm. He hung up on me. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The Atari Lynx Handicast is made possible by a grant from the Telesearch Group and by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you.